0: Don't do it, man. Don't do it. I think I rap better than Shaq.
1: Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who S- 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 comma Is I'm S- Jason on The Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard
0: Shaq with the barbs like the Boston and Brackadocci. I was transported right back into it. I was like,
1: oh,
0: this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better
1: than shit. With David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on, we're friends, aren't we? And then it yeah. cut the lungs out and kicked everybody on TV. <laughs> Michael was not your friend.
0: Wazney So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in, in Iowa.
1: Uh, Hoops welcome to Hoop Hoops Adjacent. four, we have ignition. The comic is... And welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I am David Aldridge, joined as always by my man Waz bray Waz, what is up, sir? I'm good, man. How's everything? Everything's good. As always, we begin with telling old man what you did during the weekend. So, Waz, what was your weekend like last week?
0: So, uh, I went, I ended up going to my third wedding of the year, third and final of the year. Thank oh, no, you that's pe- a lot. Your people stay getting married on the yeah, weekend. Yeah, man. You, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm at that age, Dave, where, where it's happening left and right. I'm actually going to one more in December. So, that will be four weddings this year that I attended. <laughs> All of which I attended with my lady, which, as you can imagine, has made things
1: <laughs> a bit more interesting in the crib. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, man,
1: now, now please tell me, you no, know, there's no old girlfriends involved in these marriages now, because that could be that could be kind of sticky. <laughs>
0: Fortunately, no. Fortunately, no. Um, that has not been the case. Um, and, and believe me, I got to talk before. It was like. <laughs> Am I going to see anybody? Blah, I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> Everything is squared away in that regard. We are good to go. <laughs> Ain't no looking back.
1: <laughs> no, you know what's funny? Like somebody, uh, oh, it was Anthony Rendon from the Washington Nationals. He was, um, they're playing the Dodgers in the division series starting tonight. And I guess they did their press conferences yesterday. And somebody asked him if he still thought about, the series they lost to the Dodgers in 2016, and he said, "You think about your girlfriend that broke up with you like 20 years ago?" <laughs> and I was like, "Shit, every day, cuz." she <laughs> 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 <What's laughs> <you> talking about. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was great,
0: great, old ones, man. Everybody remembers someone <laughs> that <they> got away. <laughs> you think about your girlfriend that broke up
1: with you like 20 years ago? <laughs> Probably
0: not. So So what was the wedding like? It was pretty cool. It was at the Biltmore in downtown L.A., which was was fancy, old house type of stuff. So it had all of the the, the fixings and, and 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 you know, the bells and whistles, but I'm an orphan. Everybody was dancing yeah, all night. It was pretty fun. Actually, my first time ever going to a Jewish wedding. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I might have preemptively screamed, uh, Mazel damn! Broke. I was so excited. Wazel <laughs> Tongue. Oh my god! Damn! Way too excited to pull
1: the trigger on that.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: I can't be 100 and be an orphan. Yeah, you can.
0: But it was good. The food was pretty good. Um, like I said, everybody danced
1: and stuff. I could have used a little bit more hip hop. Right, right. But right. hey, it's not my wedding, right? Did, um, did, did they put did they put the bride in the chair and carry her around? Yes, like, they did yeah. that. They did that? They did the groom. The, they okay. they, did, they did the lifting him up in the air too. They did the whole
0: everything. <laughs> and, but the only you know my only critique of the wedding was that. Um, so the groom is it comes from a Jewish family, yes. and the bride is from a Christian family, and both families insisted on having a rabbi and a you know a Christian guy officiate. Right. So they kind of right. split up the duties, uh-huh. but you know it took double the time to get the ceremony because <laughs> they both had to get their shit off, respect right, their right, shit right. off. So I was like, Jesus! I mean, right. we could have cut this in half by just letting one guy <laughs> pick <figure> one. this <laughs> thing out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Right. Well, yeah, ready. so
1: that was the only critique. I got you. I got you. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, that's a good that's a good weekend. A wedding is always cool to be at. Um good to see people getting on with their lives and being happy. We wish all of all of your wedding parties uh good luck and hope that they get along better than Shaq and uh Dame are getting along these days, man. What's up with that? <laughs> oh god. So
0: for, for people who don't know exactly what we're talking about Dame Lillard went on um, what's called the Joe Budden podcast. Joe Budden, a former rapper, now podcaster, slash TV host. Like, he's a media guy now. He's a retired rapper and full media guy. But like a lot of people, he's a hip-hop head, historian, you know, still enthusiastic about the culture. He asked Dame if Dame felt like he was the greatest rapper hooper of all time, even better than Shaq, who's dropped platinum albums, made songs with people like, Biggie Smalls and Nas, like, legends. Nice, nice. And Dame said, yeah, I'm the greatest. I'm the best ever. Nobody's better than me. You think you got better music than Shaq? I think I rap better than Shaq. You think so?
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: You might. I've heard Shaq's stuff.
2: Yeah, you might. I'm like, I oh. think
0: yeah, people you, was like...
2: So you can't get rich niggas to admit nothing. As Shaq. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, I think he, he was viewed as Shaq, though. But like, yeah, I, think, music, I get what you're saying. It was like this Shaq. Yeah. It wasn't like Shaq and Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like People wasn't looking at it like this a real rapper. It was like that's Shaq rapping. Shaq being Shaq, he could not let that slide and decided to let off a diss track um, over the, what's the difference, beat, which is one of my favorite songs on Chronic 2001, Dr. Dre's Chronic 2001. It's, It's him exhibiting Eminem. One of my favorite Dre songs, actually, and Shaq is rhyming over the beat, and he did quite well. Yeah, I was strong with these little cats. I could tell they little listen to their little raps.
2: Always blended about their little max Contract. They've got a little money when it comes to shack You see the slow got a little heart fame on it. Game shoot jumpers. Shaq still bend on it. Are you fiddly doing me? Not physically, mentally, vividly seen it before you might give it to me. i
0: ain't being the competitor that he is and true to Hip hop um, culture and the foundation, like battling in hip hop, is foundational. It's like graffiti and breakdancing. Like battling is, <laughs> you know, it's one of the pillars of the right, culture. And right, right, responded right. in kind with a pretty God, dope man. diss record of his own. Man, I, I, know, I, I'm not gonna know, lie, I rolled my eyes when I read Adam, about he it he first, and I was like. Is- Oh, God, it's <laughs> a diss track. But the thing is, Dave, like, as soon as I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just, like, the bolster and his braggadocio, I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I don't
1: know
0: why we don't do this more often. And Dame had a dope track. It, it was actually pretty fun. I
1: thought it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Let me see, see if Jay can pull one of those up while we're, while we're talking about it. Welcome to Hoop and Jason on the Athletic
2: Podcast Network. like
0: those. No, you my pockets deep, so you flexing ain't really a thing, bro. We both could be working at King Kinko's and Kobe when you the rings don't oh nursery rhymes spitting, small cars sitting, oh, icy hot poster boy, TNT snitching you, big man hating uh, mad at my existence, had a song with bad boy, no Jordan to the piston, still getting to the chicken, this ain't nothing new to me
1: I, l- I like well, you could do I wonder me. if I'm getting caught up in the theater of it. I love the fact I think to your point that they, that they can so quickly come up with these things i mean it's incredibly creative that they can come up with these things so quickly but i know it's kind of like pro wrestling you know what i mean like yeah i know they aren't really mad at each other they're not gonna
0: fight when exactly they
1: <laughs> throw down under the highway like the jets and sharks you know what i'm saying that's not gonna happen so um but it's but it is fascinating to listen to guys on the creative side come up with these with these lyrics so quickly you know yeah. like and that part of it is really um, entertaining to me, and I'm sure for for you know the younger crowd, I'm sure they get even more of it. I didn't realize the you know the, the like you were talking about the the downbeat with Shaq that he was uh, that he was rhyming over, and so that's that to me is like I don't know if I should like care about it. I don't know if it sounds it feels like you're being manipulated to a certain degree, but I do respect the grind of both of these guys doing this. Um, uh and and being so creative about it so quickly especially with the lyrics I mean Shaq had the he had to you know he said legendary I'm a hip hop scholar I'm trying to get a billion who gives a fuck about a dollar I mean that's pretty good <laughs> come on that's pretty good that's pretty funny for <laughs> me listening to it I'm
0: instantly transported because I'm like you know, it's training camp, and everybody has a sunny disposition when I mean, right, training right. camp opens. Everybody's right. like, this is our year. Like, the Suns think they're going to finally break their playoff hump. And, like, there's, like, 10 teams in the Western Conference who think they're going to make the finals. You know, it's even the Knicks, you know, uh, freaking Marcus Morris talking about he going to restore the feeling and exactly. protect the garden. Like, right. this is the time of year where you <laughs> only getting one type of rhetoric, which is fine. Like, mm-hmm. you, your team should have a sunny oppos- um disposition coming into the season. Right. But this is a break from that. This is negativity, yeah, which well, I'm
1: here for. Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I have said this many times. I think the league is way too chummy now. Uh, I think guys are too, you know, all we're all buddies. We're all banana boat. We're all together. No, nah, I don't like that. Have a healthy animosity towards your opponents. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's what I grew up with. I, so, uh,
0: so the day after... Um, Kawhi Leonard signed with the Clippers, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, they traded for Paul George or whatever. Right. I happen to be at summer league, right? And mm-hmm. LeBron walks in, and it's just, and 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 it's beautiful the theater of it because LeBron walks in with AD and Kuzma, who's basically like, "All right, we're the you know, Kawhi didn't come, but it's the three of us, and it's basically mm-hmm. like a show of strength. It's like we good, we're unfazed, right. we're unbothered, right? Right? And then maybe fifteen minutes later. Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams walk in. And Lou Williams says hi to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's gracious or whatever. Pat Beverly gives the coldest handshake and dap to those three Lakers dudes. And I'm just like, this is great. Like, no. it's it's July. Right. We, and, but they both know, like, all right, these are our direct competitors. Like, we're exactly. not both just in L.A. We're both trying to win the championship
1: Good. next season. Good. And so Pat Beverly is like, I don't care that it's July. I'm, right. I'm mad already. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Yep. And I like that. See, Pat's a real one in that regard. Like, Pat... Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was, I guess, it was, yeah, when Pat, when when Pat uh, was with the, I want to say it was a, a couple of years ago when when uh, the Rockets were playing OKC. Maybe I mean he's he he wears it on his sleeve, man. If you're not with us, you're against us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's not trying to be your friend, you know. Yeah. And and I really like that about his. Um, Because that's how, again, when I first started covering the league was, it was like that. Like, you know, guys didn't like each other, you know, and it wasn't personal. It was just like, this guy's trying to beat me. And so So, I can't, can't, we can't be friends. I want
0: to ask you about that. Like, is that actually the case? Because, you know, some people would say that... you know how how good of friends Jordan was with guys like Ewing and Barkley and putting them in his movies and all of yeah, that stuff. Yeah. He Some was people playing say, "Well, how? Oh, you
1: saying he was? Oh, was he totally was just that him. diabolical. Oh, he's totally playing them. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on, we're friends, aren't we? And then he cut their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. <laughs> no, no, Michael did. Michael was not
0: your friend. <laughs> you know. So, so the Chicago and Detroit stuff that was real. That was
1: real. I'm telling you, was. I'm telling you, they the, the Isaiah Michael hatred. It's that, that's not that's not for effect, okay? <laughs> no. Right.
0: No. So so Isaiah getting banned from the Dream Team like that's actually based on a I mean, level of
1: hatred. Ba- it's, it's based on a lot of things, but hatred is at <laughs> its <laughs> central. <laughs> a lot of reasons for the hatred but hatred yeah. is at the center of all of it and it wasn't just them i mean it was you know isaiah and um and magic had a falling out when they got mm. to the finals yep. Yep. you know we can't be boys no more you're trying to take what i got no i'm gonna knock you on your butt you know what i'm yeah. saying like, and the, the pistons and the celtics same thing you know i mean that it was real man and that's what i miss about it because i think that level of that level of dislike created so much better basketball to me because you really were they were all pushing each other i told you my favorite line from the the bird and magic specials is when is after 80 after the 84 finals when the lakers lost game 7 and magic said he he went home and he didn't talk to anybody for 3 months and he was depressed and they cut to Bird and Bird said, good, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I made him suffer. And he meant it. He wasn't kidding. You know what I'm saying? Like they respect each other. They all respected each other, but they didn't like each other because they were all trying to be the best. And that's yeah, what know, I miss. You know what I would push back on? Cause
0: I, I, you know, I'm used to hearing that, that, that sort of rhetoric, right? Like, you know, I'm 32. I I like, like I said, like, I remember the the second Bulls three feet is mm-hmm. what I mostly remember, you know, from – from like, that's what I'm most dialed into from that point on. Um, So I'm not familiar with what was going on when, when, when Kurt Rambis was getting clotheslined and all of that <laughs> in the middle right. of a, a basketball game. But I would say, like, when I think about the 2013 finals between mm-hmm. the Heat and the Spurs, right, there was no – this, that, back and forth. Like, LeBron didn't put his nutsack on somebody's head like he did Draymond <laughs> and all of that. Like, they, they, they had a healthy respect for each oh, other. sure. And they played a great series. I loved it. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I wish they were punching each other in the face. I was just like, right, right, look, right, these are the two best teams in the sport, yeah. and they're both going full tilt, and we got right. a great series out of it. um You know, that's why I kind of pushed back on that. But at the same time, I, I start cheerleading and loving it when people actually do
1: have problems. I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love well, every second. I, I of it. That, those things can't those things aren't mutually exclusive in, in mm-hmm. to me. Like I have no problem with the way the game's played now. I'm not saying like like I hate basketball now. I don't. I enjoy watching the game play the way it's played now. It's just different. That's all. Yeah. I'm just saying it's different. It doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's just different because of everything. The rules are different. Free agency is different. There's so much more money. If there had been this kind of money in the game back in the day, believe me, a lot of guys would have left the teams that they were on yeah. to go somewhere else. So there's no question in my mind. I don't want to romanticize what, what went on 30 years ago. I'm just saying because of the way, because of the circumstances of the game at the time, it almost had to be played that way. And that, I just missed that genuine, real dislike that those teams had for each other. And the other reason because they stayed on those teams for so long. Like you didn't have a guy parachute in, play yeah. for two years, win a chip, and then go somewhere else. That just didn't happen back then because nobody left where they were. It, because the free agents, the money wasn't that good in free agency. So, um, so that created a situation where you had groups of teams that were together five, six, seven years. And they were playing the same teams all the time. So they were, they were yeah, they
0: all... they say that. Yeah. Familiarity breeds contempt. But my, my favorite part about all of this is that, you know, David Aldridge, Debonair, who's got more gravitas than David Aldridge, Hall of Famer, and what he's basically telling the masses is that, give me more Kevin Garnett, Carmelo Anthony Cheerio stories, please. Uh, let's go. Let's do
1: it. We uh, need more things. If it's real if it's real if it's that's what i get if i get back to the dame and the Shaq thing i don't know if that's real i don't think it yeah. is <laughs> but if that was real and they really disliked each other like Kobe and Shaq like they didn't like each other for a long time they made their peace yep. but for a long time they didn't like each other and i just think that that's real like yeah. we all we work with people we don't like everybody does you know what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> of course 100%. so um but i think it makes it sometimes makes for better competition and it sometimes makes for better um theater, if if you really understand that these that these groups of people, these two guys, really don't like each other. I mean, I think that's what made Ali Frazier so great. Those guys didn't like each other. You know, and it was and there was a lot of reasons why. And some of it is real personal and it's real having to do with with you know with Ali setting Frasier up to being Uncle Tom, you know what I'm saying? And yep. Frazier saying, yo, wait a minute, I'm blacker than you. Yep. You know, I grew up in the hood. My father was a sharecropper. What are you talking about? Right. You know, and so that, but it was real. That's what I'm saying. Like that real animosity that they had toward one another, I think made for better fights. Yeah. You know, even though, and I'm not saying they didn't, they didn't respect each other as, as fighters. They both respected each other, but they didn't like each other. <laughs> You know and, you, and you know what, Dave? I, I And you see it in other sports like
0: college football, right, where mm-hmm. Alabama and Auburn, like, there's people poisoning trees and stuff.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, that's— I don't want it to go like that. That's too crazy. Contemptible <laughs> that's, behavior. That's, that's but... crazy. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm not talking about— I'm not talking about poisoning Dan Devine's dog and stuff like that. You know what I mean? No, no. That's way too far, and you should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law if that happens. No, I'm, I'm talking about keeping it inside the inside the white lines, yeah, inside the court, sure. on the floor, just competing and, and trying to beat each other, um, you know, and, and having as a motivation. You know what? I don't like that guy.
0: Yeah, and you saw you know, it
1: all the time with guys like KG
0: and Duncan. Yeah. um, It, it, it was all the time. Right. I think guys, I think there's still rivalries. Mm-hmm. um, But like you said, the, the, the pure hatred is few and far in between.
1: It's uh, too much money in it now, I think. Yeah. I really do think mm. there's, there's too much money in it. Like, There's nothing for guys to be mad about. <laughs> like, what are you mad about? <laughs> I mean, Seriously what do you have to be mad about (laughs) you know like you're making a 100 million off the floor what are you mad about you know i mean it just makes it very difficult to maintain that anger and that's you know what that it's okay i'm not again i'm not the old man saying it was better back in the day no it was just different back in the day That's, that's all i'm saying
2: welcome to hoops I'm jason California made history on Monday by becoming the first state in the country to allow college athletes to get
1: paid. And now there's some big news in California. We used to have a tennis team. And guess what? We don't have a tennis team anymore because it was too expensive to keep playing. We're going to
2: set a standard for industry,
1: and they have to conform. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we used to have a football team. This is the number one reason
2: why we've created this platform,
1: <laughs> to be able to have
2: moments like this when we got the governor of California signing a bill to allow athletes in college is doing. This country we all live in right? is built on the principle of capitalism. Man.
0: Capitalism. If you're good, you, work, you, should well. you. Well. you should be compensated. Well. And the better well. you are, the more well. compensated well. you are. How,
2: uh, you how, how you many board? of you there are.
0: Never let the manicure again form
2: your opinion. This is a trick that's playing on everyone who's oppressed.
1: Look, I do want to get on to this, this topic that I think is, is fascinating to me is this um, this pay-for-play thing that's going on that we've seen in the news this week, where Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, uh, signed this bill that essentially says if you are at a college in the state of California, you are allowed to use uh, you are allowed to profit off of your name or likeness in, with a private company without subject being subject to penalty penalty by the NCAA. And it's a, to me, it's like a huge game-changing thing um, in terms of what is possible now, what may be possible for athletes to finally. Is look, we're talking about college football and college basketball. We we all know what we're talking about. Um, to be able to profit in some small way off of their labor, whereas they're not, they don't get paid at all. And please don't tell me about they get a scholarship. That's not first of all, that's yeah. not necessarily true. It's not always a full ride. And a lot of times parents wind up paying for part of, if not most of the scholarship anyway. Um, so please don't tell me about the full ride. Right? Lots of people get scholarships, but I, I got a scholarship to go to school, an academic scholarship. But if I had had a business acumen and I could have made money selling T-shirts with my picture on it, I could have done that. And nobody would have penalized me for it when mm-hmm. I was in college. So please don't tell me they, because they get a scholarship to go to college. That means that they can't make any money. That's insane.
0: Yeah, I, there's so many things that fascinate me about the story. First thing that comes to mind, because when we talked about this last week, a little bit we delved into it on back-to-back, uh, I was like... Ah. The fact that—because I don't think the California schools kind of matter right now in either basketball mm-hmm. or football. Right. Not to say USC isn't always on the brink of mattering, but they oh, don't right. matter in the ways that the Florida schools do or right. obviously what's happening in Alabama and the state of Texas right. and um things, things of that nature. So I was like, I don't know how impactful this is going to be. But then, you know, you hear— There's a congressperson in in, um, Ohio that's like, I'm going to push one through. There's somebody in Florida who's like, I'm going to push one through, which says to me that the powers that be, i.e. not the school presidents or even the head coaches, the boosters Mm -hmm. are reaching out to these people and telling them, you need to get the ball rolling on that because we can't ever afford to be at a disadvantage competitively. And that'll put us at a disadvantage competitively if kids can go to California and- you know, people think it's something like showing up to a bar and getting $2,500, you know, so that they could promote your appearance and all of that, which that kind of stuff will happen. Mm-hmm. It's not just that. Trevor Lawrence, if he wants to this summer, can be like, I'm hosting a QB camp.
1: It's $1, a yeah. $1,000 ahead to show up. Right. You know how much money he could make? Off oh, of that? sure. I mean, it's just... Be it autographs. I'm doing an autograph session. Do 400, so 25 grand a pop. You're done. You, you good. You know. So no, there's no question. And I'll say this at the outset, I don't have all the answers, and I sure. don't purport to have all the answers. And I know that there are num there are numerous issues that will come up. Some people say it will affect Title Nine. I don't know if that's true or not. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of, I kind of, I'm annoyed that all of a sudden. You know guys that otherwise don't give a damn about women's sports all of a sudden railing about, "Oh my God, this will be the end of time IX." please stop you don't care about women's sports, you just care that Joe football won't be able to you know represent state you on Saturday afternoons. you don't give a damn about women's sports, you never have, you never will stop it, so stop pretending like you do you know um but I understand that there are there may be unintended consequences that I don't think about or I haven't thought about, um and that it is something that you know could have some impacts that none of us have thought about but in the main, the idea that somebody can make some money off on the side while they're in college is something that I totally agree with totally yeah and uh, you know what else fascinates me too
0: about this topic is like the political implications right um if, if and it's just it just screams to me that a lot of the stuff that we call quote unquote political in this country is just flag waving. It's it's tribalism team sports team stuff. It's right. like my team goes with this one thing, so that's what I go with. It doesn't mean that I personally believe it. And what I mean by that is like the, the cultural base of college football, you can mm. say, is, quote, unquote, Red America, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and if you know anything about what Republicans claim to care about, it's capitalism, free market, um, <laughs> right. deregulation, make as much money as you possibly can at all times. Yet those are the people who are most invested in these guys not getting money. Right. And it's go and it flies right in the face of the things they claim to believe in. Like, this is America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like making money is all we do. It's all like that's supposed to be basically the most virtuous thing you can do in this country right. is to make money. Like that's that's what that's our identity as a as a country, more than I feel like anything else. And so for those same people to come out um and say, we don't want these kids to get paid because that's part of what we like about um, participating in college mm-hmm. sports right. is crazy to me. And, you know, our guy B- Bomani talks about this all the time where he's like, they do studies on this stuff where you can tie somebody's belief in whether or not um, college athletes should be paid or not directly to
1: racial animus.
0: Oh, no question. Which no. is fascinating no. to me, you know? No,
1: no the, the The Venn diagrams of this are just striking. I agree. I mean, look, I mean, and so... the The idea that you know this is going to destroy Alabama because they may have to actually compete with some other Power Five schools for players. So what? Yeah, (laughs) who cares? You know, and, and, and the NCAA, it like by the
0: basically by the day they become more and more disgusting quite frankly like just mm-hmm. but like every time they put out a statement about protecting amateurism and blah 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 it's i don't understand how nick saban could make all the money that he's making and you're telling me he's participating in amateurism right like the guys <laughs> that he's coaching are amateurs but he's not an amateur coach right like i don't understand how you justify that and then you talk about the facilities and you know the fancy ass buildings right. In Indianapolis, that the NCAA builds off of what? The contract made, the contracts that are signed on the backs of these guys and the work, quite frankly, that they do. Like they just become more hypocritical and just plain immoral by the day. Every time they come out trying to justify what they do on a day to day
1: basis, it's just, whoo, I don't know how they do it. It's, well, the same way lots of people do it. You know, unapologetically, you know, they're going to keep this going as long as they can and until people uh, rise up and and say they're not going to do this anymore. They're not going to be part of the system anymore. And you see along the margins, you know, things like the historical basketball uh, league that they're trying to start up, that David West, the former former uh, Golden State Warrior and Spur and Indiana Pacer is involved with where they want to get kids. Instead of going to NCAA schools, they just want them to come to specific cities and come play in those cities. And if they want to go to class and go to college, they can go and they'll get paid to play and they'll try to you know, help them in terms of their brand and education. So, I mean, there's lots of people who have been doing this. We saw the Northwestern athletes try to unionize a few years ago. I mean, there's so many tenets to this. And again, I'm not pretending like I have – like this is – a cookie cutter easy to solve situation it's not I know that there are things out there that I'm not thinking about uh, yeah but I, we, but, I, we, but I'm not but I don't think that it means that we can't proceed in some fashion along these lines right and and I do want to acknowledge that this is a small step in the right
0: direction, right yep. the bottom line is. The Trevor Lawrences of the worlds and or even Zion last year of Duke, they are the one percent of the one percent of college athletes by and large right mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. not like a bunch of people are just going to be able to walk into college and start cashing in on the fact that they're the second string right guard at Clemson University right right and so we do need to get to a point where some of the money that is generated by these billion. That's with a B, billion-dollar contracts that are signed by the NCAA and the football powers um, to do the TV stuff and to sell jerseys and to do all these kinds of things need to be shared with, you know, the the backup defensive tackle at Notre Dame, 100%, because he's not going to be able to cash in 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 a way that a lot of the stars do. And also, I think there is something to be said that you are marketed, and there is a benefit for guys coming into a college program, right? Like the yeah. name, being associated with a name brand like Duke or Ohio State University or right. whoever, whatever the case may be is a benefit to a lot of the guys. Right. There's no doubt about it. But you, just the idea that you can say with a straight face that John Calipari or Coach Mike Krzyzewski are amateur coaches. Right. <laughs> Their players are amateurs, but like how? How do you justify that? Well, you, you how can you tell me they're amateurs?
1: Yeah, no, you can't. They are. Those are professional programs, and you know, and they're 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 only under the only reason they're not professional is because they're under the umbrella of the NCAA, which gives them the cover of being amateur. But look, we all know that those are not amateur programs, and that those kids, and not, not see, not even those kids. While well, I think about. You know, like, for example, what about kids that go to Ivy League schools? You know, you've got a lot of very, very well, well-to-do, well very rich, very successful um, people that went to Ivy League schools. And what if, you know, a venture capitalist who went to Yale or Harvard says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to offer Joey, Joey basketball, you know, $100,000 on the side legally. If he'll come play for Harvard or Yale, yeah, good, yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm fine with that. You know, I don't have a problem with Yale getting a, you know, a a, a a blue chip prospect in basketball or football. What if somebody from an HBCU that's become a billionaire, right, says, yeah. you know what, I want to offer him, I'm gonna offer somebody a million dollars, million dollars, fifty thousand dollars, you know, uh, uh, per event, you know, to come to a Come sign autographs or do whatever it is at Howard or at Florida A and M. Good,
0: <laughs> you know, and, and and you know what I love also, and and I want to give a shout out to um Bryant Gumble for mm-hmm. him being the first person to point this out to me. I'm yeah. sure uh, maybe other people have made the point before him, but I just loved it when I remember watching him on Real Sports, and he was, you know, the, oftentimes the NCAA's excuse. For what they're doing, they're like, well, a lot of this money goes to underwriting water polo mm-hmm. at the University of Iowa. I mean, mm-hmm. God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo team <laughs> at Iowa. What would happen if that happened? And Brian Gumble brought up a point. He was like, you know, that money is on the backs of a bunch of black kids yep. and is going to underwrite the sports of a bunch of white kids. Um, right. Let's just imagine the roles were reversed. All we'd be hearing about is welfare and not paying your own way and free rides. That's all we would ever hear about, yeah, no you know. And that that component can't be ignored. That it's largely black people generating this money. Yeah,
1: and again, <laughs> I right. No, you're right. And I get and I and that's where the Title IX piece comes in because they'll say, you know, this will this will because people won't give to the general scholarship fund. That is, that is used to provide scholarships for these other sports and pay for these other sports that they might go away. Well, some of them might, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like some of the, those sports oh won't wow. go away. You know what? But okay. So I went to a school that we used to have a tennis team. Guess what? We don't have a tennis team anymore because it was too expensive to keep playing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like We used to have a football team. I don't have a football team anymore because it was too expensive to keep playing. You got to, you make decisions. You know, and so if somebody wants to play college tennis, then they're not going to consider American University anymore because they don't have a team. And that's life. It's It's unfortunate. I wish we had a tennis team, but you know what? Things life's going on. We've been all right. You know, we do. We do all right. And and conversely, you know, the sports that have survived have done very well. Whether it's whether it's women's volleyball or women's basketball. You know, so you can still have vibrant women's athletic programs at many universities without the billion dollar, you know, outlay that comes from college football or college basketball. It's just a matter of prioritizing those sports and saying, no, this, we're, going to, we're going to fund those sports and we're going to continue to fund those sports. And look, you can tailor your, your contribution to anything. When you, when you make a donation, they say on the drop down menu, what do you want this to go to? So if you wanted to go to women's basketball or to women's hockey or women's tennis whatever it is you can do that. You know, you you don't have to just put it in the general scholarship fund and and you know I I just love the idea that a lot of people pedal
0: when they say you know and it, and it goes back to what I mentioned about the racial animus, right? Mm-hmm. Um when when people say a lot of what's going to be lost is like a lot of people just won't like the sports as much once they realize the players um, are being paid, um, and uh, and what they're trying to say, David, is that these sports might become less lucrative mm-hmm. in the aggregate um, if we make this an open market for the players. And to me, I say, so what? Exactly, <laughs> it's a moral <laughs> imperative. <Exactly. laughs> it's like this is a this is a question of morality. Like you are literally exploiting these kids and their labor. Like right. what you're doing is morally. Fucked up. <laughs> so if you lose some money behind doing the right thing, that's okay. <laughs> like, I don't understand
1: that argument whatsoever no i can't you know i'm not i'm sorry i'm just not going to get worked up if kentucky doesn't get every blue chip prospect to come play (laughs) basketball for them (laughs) sorry (laughs) you know i just uh, you know i just see that's just as a ludicrous argument to me or alabama doesn't get every football player that you know every five-star football player doesn't go to alabama great you know (laughs) there's this other thing where we know the
0: freaking hundred dollar handshakes are happening of course we just went through this whole fbi investigation which and I say this all the time, and I'm not trying to, you know, slander anybody or cause I actually don't think it's immoral that players get money. But I just love the idea that programs like Xavier mm-hmm. or even Arizona are paying are paying for worse players that the players that Duke in North Carolina and Kentucky are allegedly getting for free. Right. Excuse me. <laughs> think about the, the 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 mental gymnastics you have to do to believe that right. there are teams who get caught play, paying for worse players <laughs> than the guys at Duke. Yeah. Who we are led
1: to believe are playing for free. I used to always say this about to, when before before um before uh, Lance Armstrong finally copped to, you know the, right. the multiple years of drug use. And he was the, he was proclaiming his innocence. I used to always say, "So let me get this straight. So everybody else in cycling <laughs> is cheating and is dirty, and yet the guy that's beating all of the cheaters is the only clean one." It makes you know? come on, yeah. <laughs> and that's with all of the
0: sports. That's what, you know, I I get into arguments with my Jamaican buddies all the time when they're like. Usain Bolt, oh come on! All he does is eat plantains. That's how he's so fast. I'm like, all right, so Justin Gatling and and the rest right, of his cats right, right. Exactly. have been caught out there. Come on, they can't beat this guy, and they've been caught doing it. And he's he's doing it on green plantains.
1: Right. He's the one honest right. man. Right. All right. All right.
0: I, I got a bridge in Brooklyn
1: to sell your ass. Exactly. Exactly. So it's ridiculous, you know, but. It's going to be fascinating to see how this how this turns out. This certainly will be taken to court. I'm sure the NCAA is oh. going to take them to court, and we will see what the uh, how this gets resolved. Because uh, I I don't think you can go back. I think it's going to be very difficult after this to convince young men not to do something, not to try to make business deals, not 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 you know, not not the shady stuff that we know goes on, and it will continue to go on. By the way, even if this were to become law in all 50 states. But the above board, I'm going to make a deal with the local car distributor to come to his, his or her car dealership and get the $10,000 appearance fee. And, I'm just, and, 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 and I'm, pay taxes too. I'm gonna pay right. taxes on that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, because
0: these 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 fifty dollar deals and fifty thousand dollar deals and hundred thousand dollar deals, are mm-hmm. you know, this is tax free money now. Come on, now we need to be building bridges and roads now. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> that's right. And and I think it's actually going to benefit some of the mid major schools as well because you know it's going to be. There's going to be—I mean, somebody brought up Fresno State, for example. Where there's really nothing else around Fresno State. I mean, it's not like it's near any other major city, uh, you know, that that competes at a high level. I should say in terms of athletics. So if you go to Fresno State and you demand, why shouldn't you make a little money on the side? And and there will be lots of businesses in that area that would love to rep- have you represent them. You know, I, I would have no problem with that. Why does it? Why can't Katie Ledecky make some money on the side? What, who would be mad at that and still swim for Stanford? Good for her, you know? So I just, you know, this is a lot to do about nothing. But uh, we'll take a quick, quick break. We'll be right back in a second. And we'll see, uh, we'll talk about some other things going on around the world of sports. And we'll talk about a little hoop as well. Hoops Jasons. Welcome to Hoops Jasons. Jade, are you with us? I was trying to see a... If Marcus was uh was gonna come on, Marcus Bale, Marcus Bale, okay. My back. Yeah, oh, you're I'm back. back. Okay. So classic Marcus, though, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Classic Marcus mm-hmm. goes. I said, "Hey, did uh, David text you?" He goes, "Y'all hit me at the same time."
0: And then I didn't hear from him for like 15 minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> While he ghosts us. While he ghosts us. <laughs> I was gonna do bass um and just why baseball continues to have these bad ratings in the playoffs trying to get ethan quick
0: ethan yeah. loves ratings talk that's does, just, does he? Is that does it like that's his, that's one of his
2: niches football you want your violence yeah. Want it. is
0: it, oh I didn't know that okay he loves rating ratings particularly when it as it, um pertains to sports right okay why wow, you're not watching baseball are you? no because I know it's the, I'm confused by the new wild card thing like how it's a one game elimination is everybody in it I don't like once it gets to um divisional series I'll start watching especially you know The Dodgers are in it. I I, I don't mind the Dodgers. I'd like to see them win a World Series. I'd just like to go to a parade. You know, I've never been to a parade. Is that
1: right?
0: (laughs) I've never been to a championship because I wasn't a Yankee fan. I'm I'm still not. I'm a Mets fan, so... Them and the and I'm not a Giants fan either. And those are the only New York teams that won. Yeah, right, um, right, right. Since I've been an adult or like a teenager or whatever, so right. I've never been to a championship parade. The Rangers came tantalizingly close <laughs> a few years ago, and I was like, I'm showing up to that thing if that happens. Right. So I just want to go to a parade.
1: I just, <laughs> just want to see what it's like. <laughs> Let me know when he's ready to go and we'll just welcome him in and we'll talk about, we can talk about, talking about baseball ratings and then if he wants to talk Warriors, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, let's do that.
1: He should be good to go, right? All right. All right. Circle spinning. Circle
2: spinning. There he is. Ethan. Hello. What's up? What's, What's up? up? Ethan Strauss. What's up? huh? Oh man, am I, am, am I on the podcast right now? You're about to be. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to be. All
1: right, ready whenever. All right, go. And welcome back to Hoops Adjacents. Uh, we bring in now a special guest because we were we were thinking about talking about baseball ratings, and Jade said we should get Ethan. He loves ratings. He loves talking about ratings.
2: True, right, Ethan? No, I, I am a ratings nerd. It is a weird topic of interest. I don't know how many other people are into it, but I'm into it.
1: He is the host of House of Strauss, which you can hear on the Athletic and all of our fine podcast networks. Uh, and we are going to talk to you in a few minutes because I wanted to talk about the baseball playoffs. And it was it was fascinating to me that uh, we saw I saw the preliminary ratings for the wild card game, the National League wild card game between Milwaukee and Washington and that the ratings were down pretty significantly from last year, which was Colorado and the Cubs. Now, I get it. Chicago, bigger market, huge market, huge national interest in the Cubs. But it was just curious to me because I thought, you know, this was a pretty riveting game. It had an incredible ending. It was close throughout. Um, Washington, while not as big as Chicago, is still a top 10 media market. And it just surprised me that, the numbers were down as much as they were. And I just, uh, as someone who loves ratings, I would be curious what your take is on something like that.
2: Uh, So I haven't seen those preliminary ratings, but I do know that Milwaukee's local ratings are awesome. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they're a small market, but they should be able to punch above their weight. They're like one of those markets, like uh, the Utah jazz where, uh, you know, they, they've got a tremendous amount of local interest, by the way, you know, incidentally, I believe Milwaukee and uh, and also maybe Cincinnati are the smallest markets in baseball and basketball has depending on how you judge it, maybe four or five smaller markets than the smallest in baseball, which is always an interesting difference between the two leagues. Uh, The NBA tends to camp out in cities that, for lack of a more generous term, might be considered minor league baseball-level cities. Mm -hmm. Um, And and maybe part of that is this idea that we're going to be the only big league sport in this town, and so we're going to get an extra benefit from that. But yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. I, I haven't seen the numbers on it, but I thought, I watched that game. That was an incredible game um so, yeah. it, and uh you know the the nats certainly have a big following dc as you well know of course is a big market so i i don't know if it's i i know it's it's been a while that that the cable channels have had the rights but i still don't know how natural it is for a lot of people to check out a game on the turner station right, versus right. you know that's one advantage the nba has i think is that people really truly associate tnt with the nba i mean yeah. they're very intermingled and i don't know if the other sports have been at it for long enough uh to where a lot of them have that association with a cable channel and so um you know baseball this year though they had a slight dip in the ratings. i think it was comparable to the nba's uh slight dip in the ratings. uh i don't have the sports business a uh, journal article committed to memory, but I think it was around four percent. And some of these big free agent signings uh, came to teams, and the teams did not exceed expectations. So even if there was more interest in the teams, there wasn't, you know, truly anybody capitalizing on it. I think uh, the Phillies and Bryce Harper, uh, as an example, but the MLB they've got some existential issues. You know, yeah. I think that baseball can exist on a certain frequency. I call it the podcast of sports. What I love about it is that I can do other things while watching it. I can maybe clean some dishes or <laughs> uh, you know send some emails. And it kind of in the way that podcasts can be because they don't require your eyeballs yeah. Uh, completely, they can be blended into these other aspects of life. Uh, but you know, they've 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 certainly got a challenge when it comes to getting younger younger viewers, at least in the United States. And I I'm not sure how they can go about that. I'm very interested in it on a local level. And you can cut in whenever because I'm just yeah yeah no
1: you that's uh, fine you
2: we love yeah, listening hey, to you. <laughs> thank God, thank God, thank God. Uh, I'm fascinated on a local level because I look at an Oakland A's team. That is incredibly fun to watch and man, they were not fun to watch last night. That's for sure. they were not fun to watch in the, in the wild, wild card loss, but overall young, exciting team. Um, and they've got the lowest ratings in baseball. And I just don't know. I don't know how you solve that. And it might be too big an obstacle to overcome to where has it been so bad for so long that even if you build a stadium in Jack London Square, um, there's just something that died here and you're never getting back to, to where it was when they were one of the most popular teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. That is one that's especially perplexing because the Oakland A's are actually a big market team in a way. Yeah. I mean, I know they're not theoretically, but this is the Bay Area. And yeah. and yeah, it's a divided market. Yeah, you know, you've know, you got the Giants. But the East Bay has 3 million people just in the East Bay Area alone. Mm-hmm. Plus, you've got a lot of A's fans out in Sacramento and and, and out east towards that direction. And so that's that's something that's often on my mind these days. And I even wrote an article about it from the A's perspective of how do you reverse this? Is it possible, or is the game just too slow for times that are moving so quickly?
0: So, Ethan, that's what I want to ask you about. When you say the and it's something that I complain about, and I think you do complain about too about the NBA that they love to market the stars and sort of the stories and not the actual play on court. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you market a young and exciting baseball team, right? Like I think about the Oklahoma City Thunder back when they had young Harden, young Westbrook, young KD. That Like it's so easy to explain to people, this is young, this is exciting, this mm-hmm. is why. Look at this. How do you do that with the A's in
2: baseball though? I don't know what role the league has in doing it. You'll see those young stars touted on the MLB network, which by the way is a fantastic network. I mean they're really – just hardcore baseball and they have players on ex players who love the game and if you're into it it's palpable and i think they do talk up hey here's here's ramon laureano he threw a guy out from 321 feet away on a rope um no bounce and you know they 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 show the highlights and i think you just show highlights because you know baseball's got this problem that a mean is identified where um it's not obvious that somebody is a star if you're a casual fan and you're watching a sample size of one game right if you go to a game and you go hey there's lebron he has the ball the time it becomes even if he's having a bad game it becomes pretty obvious that this guy is a superstar baseball you've got those few and far between opportunities you know the difference between hitting 300 and 200 is very—it's bar- almost barely perceptible mm-hmm. uh, without you actually, uh, without you actually chronicling it, and or having a fantasy team, or having a <laughs> fantasy <laughs> team. You know, like it, it's tough. I would say that the A's have some players who might buck that trend. That uh, Matt Chapman will make insane defensive plays every game, um, but. I think you just keep talking about it, and I think the MLB network um, you know, just has to keep on doing what they're doing, but I just don't... It just seems like they might be fighting nature. It just seems like this is impossible. But I do favor in general that leagues promote the games themselves. You know what I thought was really interesting to broaden this out was that Antonio Brown craziness, I mean, is uglier than crazy. There's some really bad things. I mean, right. they, they're just like filing it all away is, is one thing, but... In the part where he got, he got cut by the Patriots when, when the allegation surfaced. And this was all that I was seeing on social media and all I was seeing um, in sports media. And then, um, actually, Sam Spendiari, I think it was Sam. It might have been Damon Rangula. Somebody said, hey, check out the pregame shows today. Check out the pregame shows this Sunday. They're acting like this never happened. None of them are talking about Antonio Brown. They're not talking about it. It's Mm -hmm. all about the upcoming game. And the NFL, for all its faults, and there are many faults, and there are many flaws when it comes to the NFL and how they handle things, they might do a better job of keeping their eye on the ball literally and staying on message. And I think the NBA sometimes conflates buzz And and the sort of the the off-the-court reality show (laughs) for the thing that actually makes the money. And I think that has been a problem recently that it sounds good that everybody on Twitter is talking about you. But when does that become money and when does that become interest as Uh, measured by someone turning on the TV?
1: Well, I think that – look, baseball or football has inherent advantages. The number one inherent advantage is that every game is important. There's only 16 of them. You know, baseball's got 10 times that many games. So every game by definition cannot be as important as one football game is. So you can always say, let's talk about week four because it's really important because it is. (laughs) And the other problem baseball has, and I always go back to Mike Trout as the example, who is, you know, by consensus, there is no argument that if you ask 100 baseball people who's the best player in baseball, they all say Mike Trout. Nobody has another answer and the problem is that Mike Trout can go days without having any impact on the game defensively because the ball has to be hit in his direction for him to have to make a play he may have to he may not ever have to make a sprawling diving catch he may not ever he may go weeks without having to throw somebody out from center field what happens if he goes 1 for 4 and the one is a double that's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah. if he doesn't hit a home run, if he doesn't hit a hit a colossal titanic home run, how does a casual fan know he's the best player in baseball? That's the problem. He never gets to display why he's the best player on baseball on a nightly basis. It happens
2: sporadically. Well, is that a Mike Trout problem or a baseball problem? That's because a baseball there, problem. But there were players where they had a certain aura about them. To where you knew you were watching them, and it was a show, and they were great. And maybe, maybe I watch a Mariners game in the nineteen nineties, and Griffey goes zero for four, but he's 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 you know he's got that rhythm with the bat. He's up there like he's somebody to see, and you are drawn to him in a way that you are not drawn to Mike Trout. There's just a certain ineffable uh, quality that Mm -hmm. that stars have sometimes that that draws you to them because. You know your your assessment is correct. I think the question is, why does that matter now? Because baseball was wildly popular, and all of that used to be true. So, mm-hmm. why does that suddenly matter now that people don't see the greatness <laughs> because, uh, because immediately when they are, on their watch?
1: Because they're competing with an NBA where where superstars have become ascendant in the popular culture of this country. Oscar Robertson was not ascendant in the popular culture of mm-hmm. the country. Bill Russell yeah. was not ascendant. People didn't care about Bill Russell off the floor. They didn't care what he had to say about anything on social media. There was no social media, so the whole landscape of sports, whereas 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it was baseball and boxing and horse racing. That was it, Mm -hmm. in terms of mass popularity with casual sports fans. They cared about bat, they cared about boxing, horse racing, and baseball. They didn't care about anything else. And Mm -hmm. now you you have sports fans who are not only spread out and into lots of different arenas but people just generally are spread out because of social media and you can create your own little individual worlds so penetrating our own our own individual bubbles is so much harder than it was 50 years ago when there weren't bubbles and there was kind of a collective there was a kind of collective acceptance of what was important and what was to be followed, and what was to be. I'm not saying that was all good, by the way. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying it it was, and that's why someone like a Joe DiMaggio or a Ted Williams had so much more influence than their their you know descendants, their Mike Trouts and
2: Bryce Harper's do now. I'm I'm reminded of because right now what's happening is NBA, MLB going down slightly recently in ratings. NFL bouncing back. There was a lot of uh, coverage um, a few years ago, where is the NFL going to die out and people are leaving it? Parents aren't going to have the kids play it. All of that could still be true, but they're having a resurgence of interest. And it reminds me of how Warren Buffett, one of the ways that he's gotten so rich is that he invests. In junk food products. That's something that Warren Buffett often does. It's not the only thing. It's not the yeah. pure secret to what he does. But he invests in junk food because, yeah, you might talk a big game about how you're getting healthy, or you're in, you're interested in it, or you know, there's this new salad bar that's going to open up in, in cities, and it's it's a thing. But at the end of the day, just our base human instincts, who we are deep down, is going to win out and you're going to drink that coca-cola <laughs> you're going to eat that those M&Ms you're you, you're in your in your worst moment you're going to do it and you're going to pay Warren Buffett the money football you want your violence you yeah. want it you yeah. want your violence you might know it's bad you might not like how they handled Kaepernick. You might have all of these thoughts in your head, but you just want to see that dose of violence on Sundays. And maybe that's why you can't really bet bet against the NFL. And that's why the NFL is just going to keep on dominating for time immemorial.
1: That's probably. I mean, I think you're probably right. I, I, look, I I want to pivot real quick because you're busy and and we need to wrap up here because people aren't going to listen to a three hour podcast. Uh, but uh, but, you, but <laughs> you wrote you wrote a piece in the Athletic about how you now have come to believe that the Warriors might well keep D'Angelo Russell, and this isn't just about keeping him until they can trade him for something better or flip him for something better. And I
2: wonder what brought you to that conclusion. Well, I think we are in an era of um, – there's a lot of savvy among fans and also increasingly among media where we're looking for what's the next logical step. And if a team says, hey – here's why we're doing something often we go yeah we know the game you're playing pal you know that you just have to say that you don't actually believe that this is the thing that you have to say i get it i get it so anyway when's yana showing up in in, in san francisco what's that happening you know and, and, and it right. seemed as though i think that we skipped ahead a little bit and we didn't actually step back to consider was this merely a consolation prize was this merely an asset when they got russell and Look, I I talk to people within the organization. I talk to people who talk to people within the organization. It is possible, I suppose, that they just underwent a massive propaganda campaign and everybody who's talking to me is lying to me. I mean, I would say this. I don't think that I have a Homerific track record uh, when it comes to the Warriors and just pushing out whatever messaging they would prefer. I've come to believe that they actually believe in D'Angelo Russell, that they have a vision for this team beyond this year that they look at perhaps him as a a bridge to Steph getting a little bit older and maybe he can share that burden and then you've got so much scoring talent from Steph to Russell to Clay so much playmaking and you know you might ask the question hey how do the blazers punch above their weight every season when they shouldn't theoretically it might have something to do with having Dame and CJ and they've got that particular vision for their team now is it actually going to work? Are they yeah. going to feel the same way a few months into the season? I think that's a different matter. I'm not saying that you know Russell is going to retire a warrior. I'm just saying that they didn't get him just to flip him for a, for another max player. They want to develop their 23 year old All Star into a true star, and they're hoping that Steph Curry can help them do that. And that's the vision from this front office.
1: Well, we will endeavor to find out what happens with that i am fascinated by that i am not sure um if it's in their best long-term interest to throw a lot of money d'angelo russell's way I i'm agree. not, well, I'm that's not the saying other thing it's not added,
2: i'm just curious that's the <laughs> other thing is, like i try to tell the fans i'm not i'm not lying to you because right, right, right. one of the reasons like, I, I one of the reasons is i don't think this is a great idea yeah right <laughs> yeah but, like this is their idea this is what they're into and they could be right You know, Bob Myers knows more about basketball than I do. But Russell, (laughs) you know, I was a fan of his game um, in college, but I don't know if I ever necessarily saw some of the star qualities that other people saw in him you know i would watch yeah pretty good you know it's a that's a good floater that's a good pick and roll but i don't think i can identify the thing that would elevate him to that level now he might have not been optimized or developed correctly and we'll see it but you know he's a good shooter i don't know if he's a great shooter and i'm not sure if you know we're saying that this guy is not a top elite athlete and he's not a top elite shooter. And what is he top an elite at? Yeah he's, yeah, he's probably, you know, maybe a best passer of all those things. But yeah, like that's the thing. It's a, I would feel more comfortable with that trajectory um, if, if he had that thing, if he had that big, super advantage to leverage and turn into other advantages is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, Ethan, I think that's what I'm fascinated by with this decision to bring him in as well is because I, like you, don't think he's that good. Um, You know, like if it turns out that he comes to the Warriors and, you know, he's a fringe all star on the level of C.J. McCollum, then, you know, then they're vindicated and they made the right move. Right. And, you know, conversely, if they want to move on from him, they can get some good stuff for him. Mm -hmm. I just don't think what his strengths are uh, can be capitalized on on this team. Like, well, you know, his operation and pick and roll and like you said, his passing and stuff like that. I don't think you're gonna just take Steph Curry off the ball so that D'Angelo Russell could cook.
2: Well, and we've seen we we have seen guys sometimes improve on that trajectory. I don't know why my voice just cracked and I just went to puberty, but it did. <laughs> I was gonna um,
1: say, okay, Bobby Brady. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> hey there, Brady. So, I'm sorry, it was Peter Brady. I was to say,
0: have fun with it. Uh-huh. All the great personalities belong to somebody else.
1: Why don't you stop trying to imitate other people
2: and just develop your own personality? It's
1: not going to be easy.
2: So, so I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, I, I think I think sometimes Kerr and Alvin Gentry would make uh, Leave it to Beaver references and I would give them <laughs> a lot of shit for their age. They'd prefer to a guy as an Eddie Haskell type. but. right, right. Um, <laughs> you know, Kemba Walker had a certain trajectory where you couldn't have seen him becoming this and young guys do improve. It is possible. It does. It does happen. I'm not discounting the possibility of it. I'm just saying I I tend to be conservative with these things. I tend to go, okay, um, if a guy isn't scoring really efficiently at this stage, I just think it's, it's probably more likely than not that he remains a little below average efficiency and there are only so many instances and they're more often the exceptions rather than the rule and right now you know russell despite shooting all these threes he's at what 53 percent true shooting i think the league average is between 55 and 56 mm-hmm. um you know it's that's that's tough for a guy who is theoretically primarily an offensive player and is not a guy who's giving you a uh, top level defense so i don't see it but i'm interested yeah. in it because i don't see it right. because people who know more about basketball than i do do see it i i want to see if they're actually right or if i'm crazy and then if they are right i want to see why they're right so it's yeah. it's the most it's the most interesting and most important aspect of the warrior season is d'angelo russell
1: yeah and i i am i am i have an open mind about it myself um it just seems to me that I think what you saw in Brooklyn last year was was pretty much approaching the best version of D'Angelo Russell, right? And so yeah. he was a very, very good player last year. <laughs> um, but that team is very, very different from the Warriors team at, at maximum capacity and maximum efficiency. So uh, I'm not sure how, they, how those two people can – those three people because you have to include Clay in this when he comes back how how the compatibility of those three being the best versions of themselves would be. And I think that's what you would be aiming for if you were going to pay this guy anything close to a max deal going forward. But like you said, we don't know. We won't know until it's on the floor and we'll see if that uh, – if they can figure out a way to, to make it work and make it uh, – and, and somebody to pull back a little bit to make it work. I don't
2: know. That, yeah. I, I don't know. They're in a tough spot, man. I, I think that there – the toughness of the spot is underrated. I think mm-hmm. people see the uniforms and they go <laughs> Steph Curry and the Warriors, and yeah, well that's just you know championship. I saw saw that they Vegas had them at eight to one. I think Kerry Champion tweeted out the the odds eight to mm-hmm. one to win the championship, and I'm just, I mean maybe we play this back when they win the championship, but eight to <laughs> God, they, Clay's that's out crazy. for a year. Right. Like, what, they, they're, they're hard cap. They can't get people, other players. People think like, Clay's what, coming what? back though. Just because he's Clay because he's a robot is that. (laughs) (laughs) But even if he does come back, I just, I don't know. Clay's not given a lot of indications that he's coming back anytime soon. I mean, the last guy, you know, the last guy to to tear his ACL, he came back 11 months later. Um, And that, you know, you had the the shortest recovery time, I think, was Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, right. Yeah. Nine months, you know, which still I think. And he actually
1: is a robot, so
2: that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, he actually is a robot, and that's a sport where you you, you go for right now at the expense maybe of uh, the rest of rest of your career. Um, Clay said in, in, on Media Day that he's planning to have a long career that yeah. he's not going to make any decision like that. And so you know, if you if you go, Clay, overwhelming evidence is not coming back. Um, and even if he does, it would be, it's so late that you couldn't even depend on them really hitting the ground running, uh, they're hard capped, so they don't have the tools other teams have to just add things. And then the rest of the team, you know, apart from, I mean, the rest of the team, there's a lot of guys you've never heard of (laughs) There's a lot of guys (laughs) who are rookies or you've never heard of them. And it was one thing when it was very abstract, but it was another thing when we all showed up on media day. And you see them in these uniforms, and it's, wait, who's that? And, oh, okay, and he was at what college? And, oh, no, there's not just a bunch of veterans. I mean, after practice yesterday, Steph said to the media that he texted Andre Godala that he missed him after practice. You can imagine how that practice went. Um, right. I don't, think, right. <laughs> I don't think every set they were trying to install was, was getting run swimmingly. So, <laughs> you know, look, nobody knows anything. Um, nobody can predict anything with, with certainty, caveat, caveat, caveat. Yeah. I just think the difficulty of their path is being uh, underrated based on all of their success and the cachet they've accrued on their way to it.
1: I I agree with you.
2: <laughs> I agree
1: with you. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, it's Ethan Strauss. He is heard all the time on the House of Strauss. Waz, thank you, as always. Waz, on Count the Dings. They just do podcasts all the time. That's what they do. I just do this little podcast once a week because I can't imagine anybody will want to listen to any more than an hour of me.
2: So... Uh, <laughs> <false humility. laughs> oh, I can't wait for the DA content. Come he- on. <laughs> everybody!
1: Everybody's waiting with bated breath for what I have to say. So we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us as always. See you next I just saw that show.
0: I rap better than Shaq. You think so? Okay. Yeah. You might. I've heard Shaq stuff. Yeah, you I'm might. Like I oh. think people yeah, was, was like do you get sh- rich sh- nothing. As Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I think he, he was viewed as Shaq though. Like but do you yeah, think you, I get what you're saying. Like this Shaq, yeah. It wasn't like Shaq and Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like